Hey, this is Dino, and I'm the pastor of Revolution Church. Thank you for downloading this podcast. We hope this message is encouraging to you and will help you to discover God's unchanging love. For more information, visit our website at therevolutionchurch.com. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Revolution Church. My name is Dan Russell. I'm honored to be with you here this morning as we continue on our series talking about Super Added. So this week's message is entitled, The Game We Call Life. So first off, when my brother from another mother, Pastor Dino, asked me if I'd like to preach this week, I was of course excited and honored. So I asked him, I said, Dino, what's the message on, the series? Because we hadn't quite started the series yet. So I was waiting for this deep, inspirational, powerful series. And Dino says, it's entitled Super Added. Now I'm thinking, come on, Pastor D. You're making up words on me now. See, I knew the word super and I knew the word added, but I didn't know that you could smush them together and make a word. Maybe you didn't know that either. But I didn't realize that super added is actually a word. Because I'm thinking, hey, if Pastor Dino says we can start smushing words together, let's do it. I mean, you know, if somebody asks you how you're doing, you say fantastic or fabulous, you mush them together and it's fantabulous. I mean, I think we should be able to mush words together. I'm gonna get that cleared with Pastor D and we'll see how that works. But let's look at his mushed word, okay? Super added. So I looked at a few different dictionary definitions and I went to the Collins dictionary definition. Sorry, Mr. Webster, I didn't like your definition on this one. But in the Collins dictionary, super added is defined as to put in as extra, to add to what has already been added. I thought, wow, that's what God wants to do for us. He's already added so much to our life, but he wants to add more. So before we get into this week's message, talking about Pastor Dino's smushed together word, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you. Lord, I thank you for the honor to come before you this morning and share your word, to share your message. Lord, I thank you for everyone that's listening this morning for one that's maybe tuning in later in the afternoon, or maybe one that stumbled upon this message even days after it's been given. Lord, I ask that you would open their minds and their hearts. Lord, let them receive your word. Let them receive it with a smile today as we we have some fun with today's message. But even through that fun, Lord, let your word go forth that every spirit would be touched. Lord, that every message that's going to be delivered today would just hit home and that those who need to hear it and receive it would receive that message, that they would share that message, and Lord, that it would bring edification to them. So Lord, right now, I just ask for you to bless each and every one listening. Let their minds, hearts, and ears be open to receive what you're speaking to the church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I, now that we're in the, the heat of summer now, right, we're in July, Here in Michigan, of course, July is one of those months that everybody walks around and we forget what it was like just about five or six months ago when we were complaining about how cold it was. And now it's summertime. 
We love summertime in Michigan. It's, it's a great time to get together with the family. It's a great time to enjoy just being together with each other's company. You don't have as, as many things pulling you to and fro. But one of the things I like to do with my family personally is I love to play games. Now, in the Russell house, there's eight of us. Yes, my wife and I and six children. So I'm sure you can imagine what it's like in the Russell house when it's time to play a board game and you have to pick your pieces. Now, maybe your family was a little bit like my family, and when it was time to pick your piece, it got a little violent sometimes. You know, can anybody remember what it was like if you wanted to be the race car and somebody else grabbed the race car first? I mean, what about the top hat? You guys remember the top hat? Now, I, I often wonder, who picked the thimble? Like, really, a thimble? That was never one of my choices, always my last choice. But somebody, I guess, maybe some of you are smiling and laughing right now, raising your hand because you wanted to be the thimble. But I'll tell you the one that used to always get me. This guy right here. Some of you had a choice to pick anything and you picked an old, dirty shoe. Listen, I'm not here to judge this morning, but the old, dirty shoe? Of all choices, you chose the old dirty shoe. Well, just like God made all of us different, well, different colors, shapes, sizes, well, we're all useful pieces in the game we call life. So let's talk about some of our favorite games that we played over the years and maybe how this super added message can relate. So the first game I want to talk about is a game that most of us probably started out with when we were very, very young, a game called Candyland. Now, I remember candy and I remember land, but I have to tell you, when I started to write this message, I completely forgot what the purpose of the game was. I just remember the cool little candy cane and it was very colorful. So I looked it up and I asked Google. Now, first off, I am an Android guy. I did not ask Siri. I'm not going to the dark side. I don't care how many times Pastor Dino messes with me. Hey, no iPhone for me. So I asked Google and Google said, it was designed for preschoolers ages three to six. I want you to hear this part. It encourages socialization in playing with others. Socialization, playing with others. Hmm. Don't know how we're doing with that these days. Patience in waiting one's turn. I don't know if you guys have recognized traffic is getting a little more dicey now with people going back to work, but patience waiting one's turn, eh, we may still be struggling a little bit with that one. Practice recognizing different colors and their importance. I'll just leave that one right there for you. Learning rules. Well, it makes sense if you don't know the rules. There's no way that you can win the game. And following directions. Man, I think there's a lot of folks that could probably use a couple more sessions of Candyland because these days I think some of those areas, maybe some three to six year olds may be able to teach us something. So the game Candyland, believe it or not, has been produced for more than 50 years. So in this game, you know, we, we started learning this game as a small child. And it's just like when we walk with God. You know, when you first start out, it's all about the basics. 
What's the point of the, our life? What's the objective? What are the rules to this? You know, Pastor Dino the last few weeks has talked about this. You know, what do I have to do to win the game? You know, how, how much do I have to give? Because in the Old Testament, that's what it was about. The sacrifice. Okay, I, I had a big sin, so I had, to, I had to have a big sacrifice. And I think now we struggle with that concept because we're thinking, how much do we have to do to get into heaven? Like, like what are the rules here, God? Just, just tell me what I have to do, and I'll do that, and, and then I'll just win, right? Well, some of us are saying, hey, if I go to church a certain amount of times, and if I tithe enough, if I give bigger, are my sins forgiven? Do I really even care about winning the game, or am I simply just happy playing the game? Too many of us are missing that joy that comes with playing the game. And what I mean by that is the joy that just comes with everyday life. We're so busy chasing the finish line that we forget about the blessings along the journey that God has for us. That super added blessing. He wants to give us more. He doesn't just want us to get through. It's not about rushing to win the game. So think about when you were a young child and you finally got to play that board game. Now I know having six kids, you know, the little ones always wanted to play and some of those bigger games you had to say, not yet, not yet, you're not old enough. You can sit next to me, but can't really play yet. But think about when you finally got a chance to play. It reminded me of Matthew 18, 2, when Jesus said he called the little child over to sit amongst the disciples and said, I assure you that if you don't turn your lives around and become like this little child, you will definitely not enter the kingdom of heaven. Those who humble themselves like this little child will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Sometimes it's focusing on the simplest things. The things we learn from a game like Candyland that'll bring us that elusive joy that we seek all the time. Many of us have gotten caught in this rat race called life and we're stuck in a trap. Wait a minute. That sounds like another game that we used to play. How about the game Mousetrap? That was a fun one. Now some of you right now are really chuckling to yourself because you remember how long it took to put the game together before you could even play. You remember you had to balance that little trap on the top of the thing and it would always fall back down. So I know I wasn't the only one. I remember watching my parents get very frustrated just setting the game up. So let's talk about the rules to this game. So when you look up the rules of the game Mousetrap, it says, over the course of the game, players at first cooperate and work together building a working Rube Goldberg-like mousetrap. So we work together at the beginning. That's awesome, right? Once the mousetrap has been built, players turn against each other, attempting to trap opponents. Mouse-shaped game pieces along the board are called build spaces in case the mousetrap has not been built completely yet. And then there's a cheese space positioned directly underneath the trap to lure you in. And then there's a turn crank space. You guys remember that space because if you landed on that space and somebody was on the cheese space, you got to turn that thing, it trapped the opponent, 
and the winner is the last one remaining after all the other players are captured. Wow. We started off working together. It was a, it was a team thing. This was fun. We were building. But then maybe the way that some of us approach the, the game of life, we think we have to trap others. We have to, to push other people back so we can win all by ourselves. I don't know about you, but it's kind of lonely. That victory, I'm sure, could be very lonely. In 2 Timothy 2.26, it says, Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope God will grant them, repentance leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Yeah, I think that mousetrap game probably had some significance. So let's talk about us coming to our senses so we can escape these traps that it's talking about. Why do we think we have to tear someone else down so we can get ahead? See, society has taught us that I, I have to push somebody else down to, to show them how, how great I'm doing. I can't be happy for somebody else when they're being successful. You know, you look at social media and you see everybody's Facebook, their Instagram, their TikToks, and everything looks so great. And you start trying to compare yourself to them and you go, oh, you know what? They're not that great. They think their kids are great. <sighs> My goodness, their kids aren't all that. Oh, look at their happy marriage. Well, wait a minute. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with somebody having a happy marriage? What's wrong with somebody getting that new car, that new house? What's wrong with them being super added to? Why are we so caught up worrying about them and we feel like we have to trap them so they can't grow, but we get to win? It's a mentality. What about the idea that everybody's against us? It's us against the world. Us versus everybody. Just like John 10.10 says, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So we have to be careful that we don't allow our minds to go down that path, even as we're looking at others being super added to. See, the Bible talks about the plots of the enemy to deceive us. See, it's not God's plan for our lives. It's not his will. He wants to super add to us by working together. He wants to super add to us by us building together. He wants to super add to our relationships. He wants to super add to your finance. He wants to super add to your job. He wants to super add to your relationship with your children. God wants to super add, but let's not just say it's all about us. Let's not just trap our opponents because they're not our opponents. They're children of God. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. It's about us winning together. There's a quote that I read one time and oh, I held on to it so deep. And the quote said, you can't beat me because I want you to win too. That hit home so hard for me because I'm a competitive person by nature. But with the Spirit of God, I want to win, but I want to win with you. I want to win together in this game we call life. See, many of us are, are still struggling. We're stuck in these traps. Traps of guilt. Traps of shame. Reminds me of another little game that we used to play, uh, game called Sorry. 
Yeah, a few of you are smiling on that one. That was one of my favorites. So the goal of the pieces, right? The goal of the game is to get home. Hold on to that one there. The game title comes from many, the many ways that the players can negate the progress of another while issuing an apologetic, sorry. Now, my 12-year-old, when he plays that game, his sorry, I just, I don't know, it's not so apologetic. He will do, sorry! Yeah. For some reason, I don't think he really means it deep down inside. I, I don't understand. Now, he's watching right now, so maybe he'll explain that to me. But in this game, right, a pawn can jump over another pawn hmm, to get ahead. However, two, pawn, two pawns, they cannot occupy the same space. That's right. You remember when you land on a space with somebody else, what happens? Poof. They get bumped back to start. Yeah. So... What happens when your pawn lands at the start of a slide? You remember that one? Except one of its own color, it immediately slides to the last square. All the pawns on the space of the slide are sent back to their respective starts. How many of you been right, have been right close to that goal? Just right there and you feel like you were knocked back down? Maybe that person pushed you aside and they got that promotion? Maybe you thought that your kid deserved that scholarship and they didn't get it after all the hard work. Maybe they deserved the position on the team and they were looked over. Maybe you feel like you've been looked over. Maybe you feel like you've slid back. Maybe you feel like you've slid back in your walk with God. You felt like you were just so close and something just pulled you back. Maybe sin. Maybe a mistake. See, the enemy wants you to hold on to that. The enemy wants you to slide back and stay back. But maybe it's time that you stop harboring that guilt. Maybe it's time to maybe say sorry if you were the one that was at fault. Sorry to that parent. Just talk to a friend today whose parent is in the last few days broke my heart to hear it. But to have the opportunity to say sorry while you still can, take that opportunity while you have it. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe you recognize the things that you've said, the things that you've done have hurt them. Maybe it's time to actually give a genuine sorry. Maybe it's your child. You know, a few weeks ago, I got a chance to celebrate Father's Day with my six children. And as I looked around, I recognized that over the years, something I've learned and something I've tried to teach them is that it's okay to say I was wrong and I'm sorry. We don't have to live in that guilt. See, some of us are still punishing ourselves for things that God has already forgotten about. We're still living in that guilt and that shame. And Hebrews 10, 17 says, their sins and lawless deeds he will remember no more. I love that Dino brought this message up months ago because so many of us need to understand 
that to discover God's unchanging love for our life, we have to understand that he is not still holding something over your head. He knows you did it. It's okay. He's already forgiven you. It's time for you to forgive yourself. He's already forgiven that other person. It's time for you to forgive them too. It's time to be super added to in that peace because some of us are missing that peace because we're still holding on to that anger, that animosity. It's time to let it go. And I believe today you're going to. See, for some of you, this concept is really hard to grasp. Wait a minute, Dan, you're, you're, you're telling me that I can do something wrong, perhaps for the second time, the third, the fourth, maybe years of this, and God's just going to forgive me? See, the reason it's hard for us to grasp this concept is it's called unconditional love, agape love. And that's not something that unfortunately, we, or fortunately that we get from our eternal, our natural parents, right? Our natural parents, our earthly parents are, are loving and they do their best. My goodness, we try hard, don't we parents? But we fall short. Our father in heaven loves us in a way that it's hard for us to conceptualize because we just have never received it here on earth. Maybe in, in bits and pieces, but true unconditional love. No, I do something for you because you did something for me. I'm nice to you. You're nice to me. You, you think about your best friends. Your best friends are so good to you. But you do something wrong to me. <laughs> You're in trouble. Ah, you guessed it. That's the next game we're going to talk about. The game Trouble. Most people don't know that the original title of the game Trouble was Frustration. Maybe I'm talking to a few people today who are feeling a little frustrated. Just like the other games we talked about, the goal, eh, players want to send their opponent's pieces back to start again. Not allowed to team up. Teamwork is not encouraged in this game. In fact, in order to, to get out of start, remember that little bubble and you got to pop it and the, the dice rolled up and you had to roll a perfect six to even get out of your start and make your way home. That sounds really familiar. A lot of people who say, ah, that old church thing, not yet. I got to get myself right before I, before I head to church. See, I got, I got to be perfect. I got to roll perfect before I can start to make my way home. See, that's deception. The enemy wants you to believe that you have to get perfect before you go to church. You have to be perfect before you can call yourself a child of God. See, that is not at all the truth. The truth is you are called, you are chosen, you are forgiven, you are loved. God's love is pouring out upon you. You're not in trouble anymore. That's what Jesus came for. See, a lot of us are feeling stuck at start. A lot of us are feeling like, I just, I don't understand. I, I, I don't have that example. I don't have that example here on earth. I just, maybe, maybe your parent wasn't very forgiving. 
Maybe that taught you to be unforgiving. Maybe in the course of your life, people just always wanted to tell you all the things you were doing wrong. They wanted to point out all the negative. Dino talked about that a few weeks ago. Getting rid of the negative talk. God wants to super add to our life. He doesn't want you to stay in that tumultuous situation where you feel so just drawn to, to negativity. And you wake up every morning and, and, and oh gosh, another day. God goes, I have so much to give you today. I have so much I want to super add to you today. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will awake and rejoice and be glad in it. Get excited to get super added to today. Not more trouble. See, I had a story about my son, my son, Kobe. Now, anybody who knows Kobe, they're like, he would pick trouble when he started to talk about Kobe. Kobe kept me on my toes as a child, I'll tell you what. But when I tell you, there was a long span where you ask anybody, Kobe was a daddy's boy. Dad was superhero. I could do no wrong. In his eyes, I could jump over buildings. I could do anything, anything with sports. I knew everything. I was smarter than Siri or Google. But to Kobe, I was that guy. But I remember one day, he had done something wrong. And he was in trouble. And man, I let him have it. Real stern talking to. And I remember he walked away. And I was still stewing over it. Now, I can't believe you did that. It's funny because when I think back, I can't even remember what he did. I remember I was angry, though. But the reason I remember this story is just a few minutes later, he comes up to me and he said, Hey, Dad, so you want to go do that? And he was just bright-eyed and bubbly and happy. And I looked at him, I'm like, don't you understand you just got in trouble? And he said, yeah, dad, I'm over it, aren't you? Wow. As a father, that was a lesson for me at that moment. He heard me. He knew what he did wrong. He walked away, he came back, and he was ready to receive love. See, that's how we've got to deal with our father. We have to say, oh, I made a mistake. Okay, God, I'm, I'm sorry. Wait, you're over it? You've already forgiven me? My sins and lawless deeds are no more? See, that's a father's love. But think about it. It took the heart of a small child to think that way. We've got to get back, like Jesus was saying, to having that mind and heart of a small child. That's how we become the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That's how we learn to receive the super added love that God wants to give us, the super added blessings that God wants to give us, the super added forgiveness that God wants to give us. That's the message. As fathers, husbands, wives, we struggle with the idea to be perfect, that, we're, that we have to be perfect to truly be a child of God. But see, in John 16, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. He said, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, 
I have overcome the world. See, God never promised we wouldn't have trouble. What he did promise was he would always be with us and that he would never forsake us. You know, kind of reminds me of another game that we're not going to touch on right now, but shoots and ladders. You remember that one? We climb, we fall. We climb, we fall. But God is always there to catch us. So many of us have been playing the game of life, trying to pick the perfect path, the one that would lead us to the best life. Wait, you know what I'm talking about. You guessed it, the game of life. So the game of life, I remember this game, but I did some research on the game of life and I bet you I'm gonna tell you some things about the game of life that you didn't know. So the game of life simulates a person's travels through his or her life from college to retirement with jobs, marriage, possible children along the way. I don't think the game of life expected the Russell family. They didn't have a, a car that sat eight in that game, but we'll talk to the makers of the game later. But the original version actually had a space that you would reach called the Day of Reckoning. And once a player reached the Day of Reckoning space, he or she got to choose two options. The first was to continue along the road to Millionaire Acres, and if the player believed that he or she had enough money to outscore all the opponents, that's the trip that they took. But the second option was trying to become a millionaire tycoon by betting everything on one number and spinning the wheel. You guys remember that? I remember I used to try to spin the wheel right at the beginning of the game and I'm like, I win or I lose really quick. I didn't realize the journey was what we were actually trying to go for. So the player would immediately win the game if their chosen number came up, and if they lost, they went to what was originally called the poor farm, and they were eliminated. Now, if no player became a millionaire tycoon, then the one with the highest final total, the most money, won the game. Wow, as a child, these were little messages that were being put into our head. If you have the most money, you win the game. Now, in later versions, the poor farm was renamed Bankrupt, in which the losing player would retire to the country and become a philosopher. Now, my older son Daniel, I'm sure, didn't like that comment, seeing as he just graduated college with a philosophy degree. And after four long, hard years of college, I'm sure he would take offense to, wait a minute, what do you mean I'm gonna be bankrupt and off to the country to become a philosopher, okay? And then Millionaire Acres, they eventually shortened to just Millionaire, in which the player can retire in style. Isn't that what everybody's chasing now? In the early 90s, they updated the game to reward players for good behavior, like recycling trash, helping the homeless, and they awarded players what were called life tiles. In the spaces that forced players to go back, were removed. Hmm. Sounds like in the early 90s, people maybe changed their view on what we call the game of life. See, we often get caught up looking at other people's cars and how many little pegs they have in, how many kids they have in their car, and are they off to become a millionaire? And we don't focus on our own path. 
the people, their careers, the cars, the money, what school their kid got accepted to, the number of sports their kids play, the awards, the vacations. I don't know if I'm just talking to myself here, but people can get caught up looking at social media and worrying all about everybody else's life so much that they miss the super added blessing that God's putting right in front of them today. See, Ephesians 3.20 says, He can give us more than we can ask, think, or imagine. The game of life is over 150 years old. And listen, in, in its early game settings, it was very different. If you Google this, look this up, the goal at the beginning was not to become a millionaire, but simply to live a good life. When you look at these board pieces and the cards, it's unbelievable. From, we're talking when they first started 150 years ago, but the goal was to live a good life, but it also, even back then, had some incredibly depressing consequences like suicide, poverty, and setbacks. So the path that we may be on may be leading us to something special. See, there's different versions of the game life. There's versions where you can take one path and become a rock star. Well, come on, being a rock star is pretty cool. But you're so busy watching somebody else's path that you're not focusing on the path that God's saying, I wanna turn you into a rock star. Maybe a rock star engineer. Maybe a rock star landscaper, but whatever it is, let God super add to you. Let him bless you on your path. Stop trying to wear somebody else's life. Your life was custom tailored to fit you. He's got super added blessings waiting for you and your calling. See, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. See, God is all about super added. He wants to bless us abundantly. See, God has a monopoly on grace. Yeah, you guessed it. Now I get to talk about my favorite game, the game Monopoly. Now, the player's goal in the game Monopoly is to remain financially solvent while forcing opponents into bankruptcy by buying and developing pieces of property. This game's a little different. You gotta be old enough to play. Four or five years old, no, no, no. Less about uh, chance and a little more about strategy. Now, I know I've got a few of my closest friends watching, so I'm gonna let out a little secret here. But now that it's gonna be out, more people are going to know I have never, in my entire life, lost in the game of Monopoly. See, when I was a small child and I played, and it was, oh, that's so cute, Dan won. And Monopoly is not a game that you play every week. I mean, let's call it what it is. I've had some six or seven hour games before. I've actually lost some close friends over the game Monopoly. That's a whole nother sermon. But Monopoly, I love the game. People will not play against me anymore. Now, I already know some of you are right now saying, all right, Dan, when can we play? I've got a Monopoly set, come on over. Listen, it's our natural reaction. We are competitive people. It's how God created us. I love it. So if some of you wanna schedule a little Monopoly night, 
I'm all for it, okay? So we see a challenge and we want to conquer it. That's, that's who we are. It's what we do. So some of you may be rolling your eyes saying, Dan, you can keep your winning streak. I want no part of a game that takes five or six hours. Give me something quick and I'm good. Now, I'm going to let you in on some of my secret strategies. I know. I'm not giving all of them to you today because if one of you comes and beats me using my strategy against me, mm, I'll pray for you. But something that I do is I go after the overlooked properties. Baltic, Mediterranean, those old cheap purple guys when you first start out. How about those light blue ones? Those are the ones I focus on. It may not appear like much, but what happens when you super add to them and you put a house and then maybe two houses? What about four houses? Now, when you super add to those and you land on them, whoo! But what about when you trade those four houses in and put a hotel on there? Now somebody's in trouble if they land on that property, aren't they? But when you first landed on it, it didn't look like much. It didn't look like it was going to be much of a problem for somebody else. See, a lot of people are running around the board and they, they're trying to get boardwalk, park place. Don't get me wrong. I don't pass those up either. But that's not the objective. Well, I kind of like to think that God looks at us the same way as I look at Monopoly. See, when you look in the Bible, God chose a lot of people who were overlooked. Often the most unusual picks. But when he super added to them, their life became such a testimony that we've read about it for years. See, sometimes to win, you got to land on community chest and receive that unexpected and much needed blessing. See that get out of jail free card? That's God's grace. It's free. You didn't have to do anything to receive it. He gives it to you. So when you run into that trouble, when you run into that sin, you've got that get out of jail free card at all times. But the difference with God's grace is you don't have to turn it in and you don't get to use it anymore. You have it every day. He wants to super add to your life today. He wants you to understand the grace that you walk in. John 8.36 says, so if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. See, everyone in Monopoly has their own strategy. It's all about positioning, placing yourself in the right place at the right time. Reminds me of the final game I'm going to talk about today. Battleship. Oh yeah. That was one of my favorites. Who remembers this line? You sunk my battleship. And you had to say it like that. If you said it any other way, not cool. Okay. You had to say it that way. So Battleship is a strategy type guessing game for two players, only two. Started out actually played on ruled paper. 
They talk about how it was played during the war. And each player has a fleet of ships, including battleships, that are marked. And the locations of the fleet are hidden from the other player. So the electronic battleship, which I think all of us played, and maybe a couple of us played the older version before the electronic version came out, but we're not going to date anybody by saying we played the original battleship before electronic. But the electronic version comes out and you got to call shots at the other player's ship and the objective of the game was to destroy the opposing player's fleet. But that's not the only part of the game. See, the other part of the game is making sure you position your ship in the right place so you can't be destroyed. We do that so often in life. When I started to, to write about this part, God reminded me of what the electronic battleship game looked like in that wall that was up in between us and the opponent. We hide from who we are. We hide from our calling. Maybe we don't show enough of ourselves. Maybe we're not transparent enough or willing to open our hearts up. Not to others not to God. Life happens and we hide behind this wall so others can't see the real us. Maybe I'm speaking to somebody right now who feels like they're under attack. And regardless of where you hide your ship, it just seems like the bombs just keep dropping. See, Pastor Dino talked about John 10.10. And see, the first part of the message is the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And the goal of the enemy in the battleship is to destroy you. But see, you don't have to hide anymore because Jesus has already won this game. In Isaiah 53, 5, it says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for, his, for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. So he was wounded for our transgressions. That wasn't for nothing. God didn't do that just for a few people. He sent his only begotten son to do it for you and me. It's time for us to start focusing on the second part of John 10.10. 10, because the first part is what the enemy came to do, but the enemy's been defeated. See, now the second part of John 10.10 10 says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Are you willing to risk it all today? Are you willing to trust him? Are you willing to really believe? Are you willing to believe that it's for you? That this super added message just might be for you? Are you willing to let the deepest part of your heart finally open so God can get in there and give you that healing? You've been holding on to some broken places broken places that maybe your friends and family don't even know about right now. Some things that you've held back from your childhood, from that broken relationship, from that thing that that person did to you that you still haven't been able to forgive. And even right now you're saying, Dan, I can forgive a lot of things, but I don't know if I can forgive that person for that thing. It's time to go to God and ask him 
to help you with that. Because on our own, we can't. But through his grace, we can. He wants to help you accept that forgiveness today. He wants to super add to your life. So maybe I'm talking to someone right now and you're saying, Dan, I, I don't know Jesus like you're talking about. I, I don't understand this unconditional love and this, this him wanting to super add to my life. I just, I've always understood I go to church, I pray, I do this, I do that, I win, I get to heaven and, and, and it's all done. God wants so much more for you. And today we wanna give you that opportunity to invite Jesus into your heart. Maybe you've stayed away from church for a while. Maybe you're, you're saying, I don't even know why I'm watching this message right now. I don't know how somebody sent me this message. I don't know how I stumbled on it. And who is this guy talking about a bunch of board games in Jesus? But for some reason, you just couldn't, you couldn't click off. It's because Jesus wants to enter into your life today and he wants to super add to you. And we're gonna give you that opportunity here in just a minute. I believe today is going to be something very special for you. I believe that it's time for us to accept the greatest gift that our Father can give to us, and that's his Son, and the love and the forgiveness and the grace that he has in our life. So we're gonna pray for those people also today that you've been stuck in that trap You've been stuck in the rat race, and today you're saying enough is enough. It's time to receive our super added blessings. So first, let us pray, and then we're going to give the opportunity for those to invite Jesus into their heart. Lord Jesus, we declare this day that the chains are broken Lord, the sin that has held us back for so long, that we will walk into the forgiveness that you have for us. Lord, that we would receive your grace, that we would understand and receive your love that you have for us. Lord, that today we could understand a little bit deeper just how much you love us and just how much you want to add to our life to add to what has already been added to. That super added blessing. Lord, we are receiving that right now in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, that a breakthrough would happen for someone right now today. Lord, I just feel that you were saying that someone is receiving a healing right now, something that they had written off because they just received a bad medical report. But God's saying, just wait until you go back in for the second test. They won't have any other answer other than God. That healing is for you today. There's someone right now who's just faced with a decision before them and they're trying to decide right or wrong. And God said the two decisions you're deciding between, it's neither because I have something even bigger for you. He said, so when both doors close, don't be discouraged. I have something bigger for you, something bigger than you could ask, think, or imagine. So just get ready for your super added blessing. I feel relationships that are going to be healed today. 
that people will bring that wall down and stop playing that game of battleship, trying to destroy the other one and finding any way to, to hurt the other. And they're just going to open up and receive the love that the other person's been trying to give them. Lord, I just feel that healing falling upon people right now. And right now, Lord, we want to allow those who have not invited Jesus into their heart the opportunity to change their life today. So if you would just pray these simple words along with me. Lord Jesus, come into my life. I'm inviting you to be my Savior. Come live inside of me. I believe that you are the Son of the living God, and I believe that you paid for the sins of the world. I believe that you died and rose again for me. I believe today that you are my Savior, and I invite you into my heart right now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hopefully this message was encouraging to you, and if it was, tell a friend. And thank you for your generosity. Your generosity enables us to take the message of God's unchanging love all around the world. For more information on how to give and about the ministry, visit us at therevolutionchurch.com. We'll see you right back here next week.